0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Oscar Wild, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rokraut.
1: And I'm Sophia Simonello.
0: And today we're coming to you pretty live. We just got the announcement from the Academy of the Oscar shortlist for 2024. So we'll be going over seven of those 10 categories. The other three are the shorts categories, which we'll discuss in further detail once we get the five nominees. And like always... We have Bennett Prosser here to discuss everything about these lists and what he's feeling and thinking, and of course, to go over original song, his favorite category. (laughs) Welcome, Bennett.
2: (laughs) I wonder if it is, if I put so much energy into it because it's my least favorite category. I don't know. Um, Hi, happy holidays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bennett, we're so happy to have you back. This is always our tradition. Thank you. Right before Christmas.
2: Yeah, our annual... Little these little stocking stuffers of the shortlists that I love this little tradition. It's gonna I know it's gonna come out like right before Christmas. So Merry Christmas everybody who's celebrating. Hopefully we can give you some nice things to to mull over and maybe have some opinions about while you're celebrating.
1: Yeah. So this really I think is the kickoff to the Oscars in many ways. Like it feels almost like when you get those nominees, it gives us a little taste of maybe what the Academy likes, but it kind of aligns with our contender series that we do every year, breaking down each category, talking about, you know, how each branch votes and what they might like, who are the people who've been nominated dozens of times before. And I think the short lists are always a good, a good place to start there. So like Nick said, we'll be discussing seven categories. Those are documentary feature, international feature, makeup and hairstyling, Music, original score, and original song, sound, and VFX. So each shortlist is determined by members of that corresponding branch, except for International Feature Film. I've always wanted to just be a part of this International Feature Film Mm -hmm. group. It just sounds like a dream. All of the members from different branches are invited, and they have to meet a minimum viewing requirement in order to vote in that category. And then later on in the nominations round, it's the same where all members can vote, but they have to opt in and they have to view all 15 shortlisted films. And each category that we'll go through will have 15 shortlisted nominees except for makeup and hairstyling, sound, and visual effects, which have 10. We'll read through them all as we go category by category. And some of them, so makeup and hairstyling, sound, and VFX... Also have what's called a bake-off, which we'll get into as we get into those categories, but that's always exciting too. I think just to think about the members of those branches coming together and at the bake-off, what they do is they view reels or clips and presentations for each film that is shortlisted. So it can really make or break your chances to get a nomination. We've heard stories before, I think, of... know certain movies maybe that we didn't think of having just a great presentation at the bake-off and that making all the difference
2: yeah I feel like I hear that the most with VFX that it's some Uh smaller or some movie that is not in the Oscar race for any other reason just shows up and has an incredible presentation and really campaigns really hard in the room for a nomination and kind of shows off their stuff and and then ends up getting nominated so those bake-offs are always fun to hear about
0: was there one movie that you both can mention really quickly that surprised you or made you happy today before we get into all the categories?
1: The one that made me really happy was actually in original song, Dear Alien, Who Art in Heaven from Asteroid City. I love when they go with really creative picks, mm-hmm. and I was so happy to see this here. It wasn't one that I ever thought would come to fruition, but I think you know, it being here is, is really exciting.
2: I was also surprised at Society of the Snow showing up in almost every category that it could. I was flashing back to All Quiet on the Western Front last year, where, talk about an annual tradition, this time last year we had heard good things about the movie out of festivals, and it was the, uh, I think, the German submission at the Oscars, and then it hit on almost every shortlist that it could. We were like, oh, this movie's... A thing. People seem to be thinking about it. I don't know if it's going to be quite to the extent of success with Society of the Snow, which is uh, Spain's submission, but it showed up in at least four of the shortlists today, including international feature and a number of the craft categories. So that one surprised me. And maybe I honestly think I said this exact same thing last year with All Quiet. I think I said... <laughs> Maybe just the categories that get shortlists are the ones that sync up really Mm -hmm. well with this type of movie. So I think I said that
0: last year, but I'm going to say it again with Society of the Snow. And it's also a Netflix movie. And I think with how well that movie did this year, that was such a big alarm for me. Because, yeah, All Quiet showed up in five categories, and Society of the Snow only didn't show up in sound. So it had the other four, which... I'm like, maybe we are in for a ride with another Netflix international flick. It looks like it would be a fun, adventurous, intense film. I think my one thing, I have a few fun things in every category, but I'll just mention the killer getting into sound. The movie's not dead. <laughs> Venture's still alive. I'm excited. There's a possibility. There's some other ones that also showed up, and I'm like, dear God, please, can we not? But we'll get there. Let's start off with Documentary Feature. So a precursor to this is the Cinema Eye Honors. And the big nominees this year were Kokomo City, 20 Days in Mariupol, 32 Sounds, and The Eternal Memory. I think the big one missing here, especially for having six nominations, is Kokomo City. That is not here, so maybe that's that key documentary that gets snubbed. But our shortlisted nominees here are American Symphony, Apollonia, Apollonia, Beyond Utopia, Bobby Wine, The People's President, Desperate Souls, Dark City, and The Legend of Midnight Cowboy, The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters, Going to Mars, The Nikki Giovanni Project, In the Rear View, Stamped from the Beginning, Still, A Michael J. Fox Movie, A Still Small Voice, 32 Sounds, To Kill a Tiger, and 20 Days in Mariupol. Was there anything that either of you saw was snubbed, or do you see any general trends among this list? The list
2: actually surprised me at how little I know about what's going on with it. I'd heard that American Symphony, which is the John Batiste documentary, I'd heard kind of popular feedback about that one and a few of the others I've heard from festivals, but I was trying to get ahead of this feature and watching some docs that were eligible that I thought would get shortlisted, and none of the ones that I watched showed up on the shortlist. So I have not seen any of them, and I don't really know, other than American Symphony, I don't know what is kind of what people are going to rally behind or what if there's a big critical consensus, because even over the Critics Awards that we've had, uh, so many of them have gone to the Frederick Wiseman film, Menus Plus years, which did not make the cut. So I don't know, I'm excited to watch as many of these as I can, because I don't know much about them.
1: Yeah, that was my big thing, too, was that the Wiseman doc isn't here. And that's been the documentary, I think that's been collecting a number of the prizes. I have seen the Eternal Memory mentioned mm-hmm. with a few critics groups. So I'm excited to check that one out. I really liked Kokomo City, so I was sad to not see that here. And it does feel, I think, with that missing, it's hard for me not to be cynical, I think, in thinking about this branch really going for things that are not really pushing the form forward necessarily when we think about documentary filmmaking. But I haven't seen too many of these. It's been hard catching up with docs this year. I feel like the theme that we've been seeing really is a celebrity focused portrait, like really thinking of, you know, a a star and them sharing their story. I know that, Renaissance wasn't eligible and the Eras tour wasn't eligible. But I think when we think about what types of documentaries people are going to see, those are the big ones. And then I think still a Michael J. Fox movie that's been popping up Mm -hmm. here and there. And that to me, in the back of my mind, has always felt like the movie that gets the mentions that doesn't make the Oscar list. It's just a feeling I have there. I'm excited to check a lot of these out. I've heard good things about Beyond Utopia. I know that Four Daughters is directed by um, Kauter Ben Hania, who made The Man Who Sold His Skin, which got into international feature a few years ago. So yeah, I'm excited to dig into these and see what gets nominated.
0: Nick, have you seen any of them? Among the ones that are missing, there's a huge list. You both mentioned Manu Placiers, but also... Orlando, my political documentary, Anselm, the 3D Vim Vendors film, The Pigeon Tunnel, Occupied City. So I think a lot of the documentaries that have been released widely this year are completely shut out, which is crazy to me. But I think ever since I saw Four Daughters at Cannes, it immediately felt like an Oscar film and... That's one of the movies that got the double international documentary mention, along with 20 Days in Mariupol, and I have seen it mentioned a few times throughout the season so far, so I'm hoping it picks up steam, because it is this really interesting mix of narrative and documentary filmmaking, and is very personal, and I love Couther's direction, so... I'm hoping this gets a a bigger release for more to see now that it's been mentioned. The other one I'm most excited to see is Beyond Utopia. I've heard a lot about 32 Sounds having this like very small indie release among certain cities. So yeah, I'm interested in that one. But overall, I'm happy that these smaller documentaries, ones that we really haven't been talking about yet, made the list instead of the really big ones. Because I didn't necessarily feel Menuth Placiers being an Oscar nominee. So I'm not super surprised about that one. Yeah, I don't
2: I don't think Wiseman's ever been nominated. And this one just seemed like maybe it could get nominated because it was about something that was just a little more like visually appealing to sit through for four hours than the library or city hall. Um, you know, stuff like that. So I think everyone was just kind of going off of that.
1: I loved City Hall. And I loved
2: Ex Libris.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, in the Pigeon Tunnel. I forgot about Mm -hmm. that one too, Nick, until you mentioned it. But I really enjoyed that too. So yeah, it's been an interesting year for Docs. But I think let's go right into international feature. So for this category, our shortlisted films are Amerikatsi from Armenia, The Monk and the Gun from Bhutan, The Promised Land from Denmark... Fallen Leaves from Finland, The Taste of Things from France, The Teacher's Lounge from Germany, Godland from Iceland, Io Capitano from Italy, Perfect Days from Japan, Totem from Mexico, The Mother of All Lies from Morocco, Society of the Snow from Spain, Four Daughters from Tunisia, 20 Days in Mariupol from Ukraine, and The Zone of Interest from the UK. What do you guys think of this category? I think the biggest miss is about dry grasses. But overall,
2: how do we feel about this group? I think it sounds like most of the big ones. I've heard of almost everything and have seen a few already. So just more than usual. But I think that's because I went to New York. But it sounds like a pretty good list. I, I agree. I think about dry grasses, missing. Nick, I know you really liked the movie The Breaking Ice from Can from Singapore, I think. Mm-hmm. That was eligible. That was submitted, but was not selected. That was another one that I had marked. Otherwise, I think ones that missed were kind of more kind of smaller ones that critics I trusted liked, but I hadn't heard a lot of buzz around.
0: I think the other ones that I maybe expected to see were The Delinquents, Pictures of Ghosts, which was a big one that played at the New York Film Festival as well, and The Settlers. The one that I'm most excited for, Bhutan, had previously submitted Lunana Yak in the Classroom and got Mm -hmm. in for The Monk and the Gun. So we are going for it again. We are hoping this is nominee number five.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, Lunana.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I think it's
2: it's the same director, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Among the other big ones, we have quite a European crowd. The Promised Land with Mads Mikkelsen, that's been around quite a bit. France with the Taste of Things, I really expected that submission to get in and probably get nominated. Even Germany's The Teacher's Lounge has been everywhere. Italy's Mm -hmm. Io Capitano, I think that went back to Cannes or Venice. So there are a lot on here that are showing up consistently, and also at Cannes, the Zone of Interest... Which I really hope to see in the final five as well. Also, Fallen Leaves. I think that's a Sophia and Bennett movie and not a Nick movie.
1: <laughs> I loved Fallen Leaves. Oh. Not to interrupt you, <laughs> oh, but okay. I really, really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I it, it was great.
0: Feels like a weird nominee, but I also wouldn't be surprised. I'm not entirely sure because I like a lot of these on the list, mm-hmm. and so narrowing to five kind of scares me.
1: Yeah, it's a really good group. I think. I mean. It's the same way that it is every year for me, where a number of my favorite films always just come from the international feature category anyway. But this year, I mean, the zone of interest is, you know, rotating in and out of my top spot for the entire year. So seeing that make it in is very exciting. You just never know what they're going to think of Jonathan Glazer. He's not for everyone. He is a cilantro director, I would say. And if you really like him... (laughs) Which I do.
0: I do too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm happy that's here. I, though, whenever I see this list, it just really is a watch list for me to see what else people are talking about and getting excited about. Um, I'm excited to see Totem, Mexico's submission. I've heard great things about that, but I really enjoyed Fallen Leaves. And sometimes these sorts of romantic comedies make it in. In the end, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be about a very serious subject matter. I think one of the biggest stories about this category this year has been that Anatomy of a Fall has been winning everything with critics Mm -hmm. when it comes to international feature. And France chose to submit The Taste of Things instead. So Anatomy of a Fall can't be nominated here. But I really enjoyed The Taste of Things, too. And I feel like it could get in still at the end of the day and I understand why France chose it. I think given the language breakdown in Anatomy of a Fall, a lot of the film, you know, is spoken in English and the taste of things is very French. <laughs> so I understand the choice ultimately, but I'm curious as to how that will affect things for them in the end.
0: Totem was also nominated at the Gothams and the Spirit, so I also really want to see that one. The
2: international feature list is it's kind of the opposite of what we were saying with documentary where and i know we're putting positive spins on both sides where in documentary it was mostly features that we have not heard of not seen and we're excited to see them now and just kind of go in with a fairly clean slate to see what kind of what we like whereas international is the other side where it was most of the big names in the category and we think it's a good list because it's the you know it's movies that we've seen that we like And there's a couple in there more to catch up, but it feels a little more kind of um, a different flavor of competitive between, you know, movies that we know of versus all movies that we kind of don't. So I was just thinking about that while we were talking that it, I think there's only one or two movies on this list that I hadn't heard of or heard much about. So it kind of just helps narrow it down and puts a lot of energy behind the the things that I've already been thinking about for a while.
1: Absolutely. For me, it was really just Armenia's submission, Mm -hmm. right, that I, I hadn't heard much about in Morocco, too. But everything else, I've just seen, you know, people watching and logging on Letterboxed and getting mentioned to different awards shows. So I'm eager to see how the final five shakes out.
0: Next up, we'll be talking about makeup and hairstyling. So this is one of the categories that has a bake-off, and this will be on January 14th. Our shortlisted nominees include Bo is Afraid, First Nomination Jump Scare, (laughs) Ferrari, Golda, Killers of the Flower Moon, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, Maestro, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. I think the big miss for me was Barbie, even uh-huh. though it mm-hmm. was a big winner with the shortlists. Another big miss for me here was The Color Purple, which only got into score and song, but I expected it maybe to get in here and in sound. So that is maybe in Wrecky Waters, but I think our big winners here are Oppenheimer and Killers, especially without Barbie showing, because those are our big potential nomination getters that I think showing up in a category that I didn't necessarily expect means it's going to show up pretty strongly in other categories. What are some of your other observations from the list?
1: The other really big one was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, that has a lot of makeup work in the movie, prosthetics. Barbie itself, I think, missing. Might not be as big of a red flag as people are thinking, just because I think in looking at these pics here, makeup is what's jumping out. Mm. And Barbie, I think it's mostly hair and those wigs that. Margot is wearing and some of the other Barbies are wearing, but not. it's not so much a makeup showcase as some of these other films. Like, I applaud them for including Bo is Afraid and The Last Voyage of the Demeter because horror getting recognized in the makeup category, I think, is always cool and inspired. Golda appearing, <laughs> of course. Horror
2: appearing in the category, yes. Yeah.
1: Yep, exactly. <laughs> Continuing that along. But, Nick, your NIAD didn't show up here or in score or in VFX. No Niad. I think that movie might or be. Or song. NIAD
2: had a song. Oh, you're
1: right. NIAD had a song. How did I keep forgetting? It was end
2: credits, but it was it was there. Still,
1: yeah. So I think I think their biggest misses in terms of makeup work were NIAD and Guardians for me.
2: Yeah, I remember last time we talked I hadn't seen NIAD yet, and you were talking about how you were expecting it to be a player to the end maybe in the makeup category for you know for specific scenes later later on in the movie and I did not know <laughs> what you're talking about and then I did.
1: And, and then, then did. you did.
2: <laughs> I also was sad to see Priscilla not on the list. That is 100% hairstyling. Yes. I don't know. I don't I don't think that the hairstyling in that movie is as you know flamboyant as it could have been uh for for that character that role like it still had you know features the transformation and as a plot point but i think i just liked priscilla enough that i was like oh maybe it could get on the short list
1: Mm -hmm. me too i was sad about that one especially since the hair is such a key Mm -hmm. key part of the film and her transformation and those looks are iconic to priscilla the beehive even the winged eyeliner Mm -hmm. but it's just not gonna it can't compete with maestro Or Golda.
2: <laughs> I, Golda exists as a poster, as like a poster in a, uh, like going down an escalator <laughs> yeah. to me.
1: I have been thinking about this because, you know, if they go with Golda, if Golda somehow gets nominated, I just keep thinking, where am I going to find this? <laughs> How am I going to watch this? Is this a real no, movie?
2: Yeah. <laughs> you see, we see it day of the nominations in stuff like costume and then in makeup where a movie that has no other shot at any other nomination just shows up in the finalists. So I like it when something like the last voyage of the Demeter is here, mm-hmm. but was afraid Golda, even, you know, something that they're really focusing on their craft with blinders on mm-hmm. and just trying to reward that, which I think is you, I usually prefer that to a big sweep. So
0: I don't know. I like seeing it here, even though it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Naiad miss here makes me worry that maybe Annette could be out too. Which is sad, but the other inclusion, the Maestro inclusion, we expected, but maybe that is like a hint hint to some Hmm. potential nominations and wins. The rest of the list is fine. Some other jump scares, Napoleon showing up here, (laughs) sound and VFX. It got three on the shortlist.
1: Okay, next we have music original score. The films mentioned were American Fiction, American Symphony, Barbie, Boy and the Heron, The Color Purple, Elemental, The Holdovers, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Saltburn, Society of the Snow, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, and The Zone of Interest. What surprised you here? What were you excited about? I think I know both of your answers. So whoever wants to go first and talk about maybe the greatest inclusion here. Go for it.
2: Well, Nick has been tweeting about how excited he is about *The Boy and the Heron*. Joe Hisaishi getting in. I'm also very excited. I have done less tweeting, but it's very exciting that he even that or that he's gotten this far. I don't think he's done a movie score since they started doing these shortlists, but that is really exciting. And because it also showed up at the Globes, that's very promising. And I'm I am actively getting my hopes up for it. Which might hurt me, especially because Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny showed up, and I forgot that that was John Williams. Mm-hmm. And they nominated John Williams for all three of the Star Wars sequels movies. So I am scared that he's that there's a slot that he's taking. No, no bad words against him, but I don't think he needs to take the slot from the Boy and the Heron. So, um, but otherwise, it's. I think it's a pretty good list. There were some movies that I didn't know had an original score, I or at least I, I know Zone of Interest is scored by Mika Levy, but I have also heard that it is very hard to distinguish between the score and the sound design. I have not seen the movie yet, but do you agree with that? Is that accurate? Okay.
1: Yeah, I do. I think that the, the score itself, though, is pretty brilliant it's just how i think the sound work and the score work in concert throughout the film because this film itself is just a story of sound Mm. sound is everything in the world of the zone of interest and this score is chilling and it really does stick with you so i've been just so happy that it's been popping up throughout it got nominated the golden globes too and also um, has been showing up in other places like the Society of Composers and Lyricists. Those nominations came out today. The Zone of Interest appeared there too. So I have hope for this score. And for Mika Levy, you mentioned Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Elemental is another one. Thomas Newman. Oh. I feel like you always have to watch out for these vets mm-hmm. coming in and maybe taking the spots away from some of our you know, favorite picks here. I feel like the only two that I'm confident in are Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's like draw names out of a hat for those last three. But I'm hoping that the boy and the heron gets in. That's my big one that I just have my fingers crossed for because I love that score
0: so much. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Saltburn. Well. It's one inclusion here, not that it's the last, but. Talk about a movie that I, I didn't know had a score.
1: It's been popping up in other places too. So this is another one that got nominated at the HMMAs and at the Society of Composers and Lyricists. It's Anthony Willis. The score itself, I actually, I like a number of the tracks on it. It's one of mine that I've started listening to as I'm working. It definitely plays with a lot of the themes in the film and the, you know, gothic qualities to it. But I would have a hard time, I think, seeing this get in at the Oscars just because of the stronger films. I mean, Saltburn will not appear anywhere at the Oscars. So this would be a lone nominee situation and especially with the veterans here that we have. Nick, how do you feel about the holdovers
0: being here? Oh my god, I didn't even know it was here. <laughs> that's how much i made real time reactions trying not to expect it to show up um i guess i was scared to want to see it anywhere because i think the score in particular is pretty minimal there are a lot of mm-hmm. songs featured which aren't original songs and i thought maybe there are some like stipulations of if it's a song-heavy movie, you can be disqualified, kind of some weird things. But I do like the tracks that are original. And I think for what they are, and how few there are, I love this inclusion. And maybe this means it can show up in so many other places. But again, I'm not getting my hopes up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want you to get your hopes up. But this is one where to me, when I saw this here. I just thought, okay, this might be something. This might be some sort of overwhelming support for this movie, especially because it's not the type of film to get in in any of the other categories that we're going to be talking about today. So this is kind of the one place it could appear. And yeah, I'm not going to read into it too much.
0: You mentioned Thomas Newman. I do want to mention Daniel Pemberton, who also did Mm -hmm. the score on Ferrari. That's not here but the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse soundtrack is, and I think this could be a big upsetter. I think Poor Things is right up there too, so I'm trying to hedge my bets, but in wanting Zone of Interest to also get in, that means Boy and the Heron is on the chopping block, but I'm hoping that's one of the five. That would be my overwhelming pick. I know there's Barbie. I know there's some really big ones here, but those are definitely in my top. Is the inclusion of... American fiction,
2: a similar situation to the holdovers in thinking how you were mentioning that it it wasn't going to show up anywhere else today, and it's kind of a sign of a a movie that's hovering in the kind of like five six seven slot in Best Picture. I have not seen it yet, so I don't know what the score is like in that movie. But with kind of those unknowns in place, it kind of struck me as a similar situation to the holdovers.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I agree. And this also, um, Laura Cartman, who did the score for American Fiction, she was also nominated at the Society of Composers and Lyricists in the studio film category, along with The Boy and the Heron, Oppenheimer, Killers, and Saltburn. So one to keep an eye on, too. I think if American Fiction overperforms.
2: Of the scores that were left off the list, uh, my biggest plug would be for... 1,001, that score, it made me feel like it was this very, very dramatic uh, score to New York, the way that, is it, Emil Mosseri's score did for The Last Man in San Francisco? Yes. Mm-hmm. That, like, that score is to San Francisco as this score to 1,001 is to New York. And as someone who lives in the Midwest, like, those, like, very kind of vibes of those places to me um, that it, it's just like a really i don't know it's a great score it is by a composer named Gary Gunn
1: I concur i think this score is fantastic and it was one of the things in addition to Tana Taylor's performance that jumped out to me immediately when i was watching this film and made it really memorable i like that comparison to Emil Mosseri
2: okay time for me to take over the podcast i got to crack my knuckles Because I'm here to talk about (laughs) original song for anyone who is, who forgets from last year or is new to the pod. I am just one of the, I assume very few people who waits with bated breath for the release of the uh, list of eligible songs. So everything that got submitted. And in this case, there were 94 of them. I try to listen to as many of them as I can, make a Spotify playlist. Some of them are truly inaccessible, either because the movie hasn't even been released yet, or it is just a movie that you cannot find even anything about the movie on the internet or that the song exists. So I always make a big playlist of them and just try to keep track of what the the state of original songs in movies is year to year and kind of trends that are going on, how many things seem diegetic or otherwise just like within the runtime of the movie rather than in the end credits. And sometimes you can listen to it and you just know that it is an end credit song. So we have It Never Went Away from American Symphony, Dear Alien Who Art in Heaven from Asteroid City, Dance the Night from Barbie, I'm Just Ken from Barbie, and What Was I Made For from Barbie, Keep It Movin' from The Color Purple, Superpower from The Color Purple, The Fire Inside from Flame and Hot, High Life from Flora and Sun. and Meet in the Middle from Flora and Sun. Can't Catch Me Now from The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Wajaje, A Song for My People from Killers of the Flower Moon, Quiet Eyes from Past Lives, Road to Freedom from Rustin, and Am I Dreaming from Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse.
0: I have two comments. One is that past lives showed up here, but not in score, and people had been praising that score, so Mm. it doesn't necessarily mean anything to me, but it feels odd. And my other comment is that Disney is sort of out, which makes me happy we can Mm -hmm. finally stop living in this delusion land that The Little Mermaid was a good movie and... (laughs) Also, Wish isn't here or in score. No right. scuttlebutt. I'm just like, I'm so. very happy.
1: The song from Elemental also isn't here.
0: Right. Which was loud. And yes, they love their celebrities and their big stars. But that felt like a weird Oscar nomination. But Elemental did show up in score. So mm-hmm. anything could really happen. But yeah, I just those are my two cents for right now. There's a lot else that I have in song like no Wonka with Mm -hmm. all of those original songs. So for for
2: the Disney piece, you're right. That was one of my kind of like headline takeaways from it was that both Little Mermaid and Wish each submitted three songs and none of them got nominated. I'm sad that Wish from all reports is so bad, particularly that people are coming away thinking the music is really bad. I also don't like the music, but I have for a long time been a big fan of Julia Michaels, who wrote all of the songs. She is a songwriter and a singer in her own right. And she has like been a songwriter on a ton of just like the biggest pop songs that you know. And I like her own music. So I, I'm always rooting for her. So I was like really sad when people hated the music in Wish because I just wanted, when, when I learned that she was writing the whole thing, I just wanted to be successful. But if you put a lyric in one of your songs that was submitted and the lyric goes as far as the universe goes we're all shareholders oh god
0: awful like then then you, yeah then you can't it's got to go it's a rough movie to begin with but you mentioned something that they submitted three three is the maximum and Correct. the fact that all three of Barbie's got in again not necessarily surprising but i think dance the night still being alive is pretty cool and Barbie being the only one where those three made it through, I think is something.
2: Yeah. I think everyone's known it for a while, but it is really, you know, Barbie's to lose. It's the Barbie show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Color Purple and Flora and Sun getting two songs shortlisted each is big in, in that looking back at shortlists over the past five years you like very rarely does a song get more than one song shortlisted at all i think only a couple times it's happened that a song has had two songs shortlisted or sorry a movie has had two songs shortlisted um so to have so many movies repeating this year i think it's i don't know maybe it's because it's the barbie show and no one's really paying attention to the rest of the category that that can happen but that was one of the other big things and then another kind of surprising thing compared to what we've seen so far in other nominations where Peaches from the Super Mario Bros. movie (laughs) didn't make it in. Jack
1: Black can't happen. I know.
2: I think he's giving a good vocal performance on that track. The song didn't need to be nominated, but
1: Yeah. It would have been a funny performance at the Oscars too.
2: Exactly. I would have yeah, I, I might have given you know given it some slack for that. And then Bruce Springsteen's song for She Came To Me that got a Globe nom, that it's just a, a complete funeral of the song. Question for you all. So we know that Diane Warren was uh, made the shortlist for the song that she has been campaigning for the most, which is Fire Inside from Flame It Hot. I have a question for you. How many songs written by Diane Warren were submitted and on the eligibility list this year?
1: Oh my God, is this trivia for us? This is trivia. Okay, so I'm going to say three. Is
0: it more than three?
1: That's my guess. I'm going to say The Fire Inside, Gonna Be You for 80 for Brady. And then let's say one more, maybe from a documentary or something.
0: Well, I heard a fact about three. I wasn't sure if that was three that made the shortlist or three potentials, but not seeing Gonna Be You, RIP to 80 for Brady but I don't know about no. the other ones.
2: Well, I will tell you she is she was the credited songwriter on four songs that were submitted and on the eligibility list. Even everywhere that I looked after the eligibility list came out, everyone was just reporting 3. And there was two that everyone knew of, Fire Inside and Gonna Be You from 80 for Brady, which is by far the best of the four, which is saying something. Everyone knew that and then it was like, "Oh, there's this third one." And this is this is the one that I wanted to tell you two about. She is a co writer with the one and only Rita Wilson on a song mm-hmm. performed by Rita Wilson over what must be the end credits of My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. Stop. Oli Mazi <laughs> is the name of the song. It's Rita Wilson and some Greek guy singing a Rita Diane joint.
1: This woman is everywhere.
2: She's everywhere. And then I kept going through and turns out she is on a fourth one that I did not see reported anywhere. But she was the songwriter on a song called Found from a Netflix animated movie called The Magician's Elephant. Good for her. And trust me when the chorus of that song is the word found, repeated. Found, found. So <laughs> found, 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 found. found.
1: Well, it's understandable so, why that one that's how you didn't know. make the list.
2: Yeah, people are actively not doing that.
1: I need to know more about my Big Fat Greek Wedding Free <laughs> and this song that she wrote for Rita Wilson.
2: With Rita Wilson. Oh,
1: with Rita Wilson. With, Never with mind, right? For, like with and
2: for. With and for, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I wish, like, between those, between Gonna Be You for 80 for Brady and Rita Wilson, I don't know how Fire Inside is the one that she decided to campaign. Sure, Rita Wilson and I, we can, you know, maybe set her aside. But gonna be you, like, let's get that to the Oscars. You're getting Diane Warren, you know, probably at the piano, behind Belinda Carlisle, Cindy Lauper, Debbie Harry, Dolly Parton, and Gloria Estefan. I don't know how you pass it up for, Blake. sorry, Becky G. <laughs> so
1: That's a great point, and it's why I have been wanting Gonna Be You to get in because I've been envisioning this Oscar performance mm-hmm. with all of these women just on stage in their bedazzled jerseys <laughs> singing this song with Jane Fonda in the crowd. Right. I just could picture it so clearly. And the fact that she chose to campaign the fire inside for a movie that I have not seen, Flaming Hot, but... I'm, I mean, I'm going to because the song is going to get nominated, yep. but when did this come out in theaters? Because it had to have a theatrical run in New York or LA, and I just do not remember it going to theaters anywhere, but it must have. It
2: must have. Maybe it was like, maybe it was in like you know, March, the weekend of the
0: Oscars. So you just have no idea.
1: Yeah. You're like Francis Fisher hosted a screening or something. I don't know.
0: Bennett, have you seen Flora and Son, which I believe is on Apple TV Plus now? I have seen Flora and Son. And now I finally know
2: what the songs are called. Since when I did the draft, I didn't know what the songs were called. But I was like, I bet one of these songs is going to get nominated. So yes, I have seen it.
0: Thoughts on those making it in? Oh, I, I like them. I think
2: I like, I have a lot of affection for them. I think these are songs that work far better in context than they do out of context, but I, I kind of didn't expect them to get in because of that, because High Life, which I think is the one that people expected to be the kind of the, the primary song from the movie. That one is nice to listen to, but when the track is taken directly from the movie and there's a lot of uh, kind of ad-libbing happening in the middle of the track while the it's basically people are on stage kind of yelling to each other while they're singing. So it doesn't play as well over at least over Spotify, but it's a great song. And then the other one, Meet in the Middle, is I prefer it over High Life. It's just a great John Carney song. It's, it reminds me of his song from Begin Again. And, you know, it, it's not falling slowly from once, but it's kind of people on guitars singing. But even in context, that song, the song ends and they talk about how it's unfinished in the movie. And then you never loop back to it.
0: They're important narratively, but Sophia context. High Life takes place at the end of the movie. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is on a laptop screen while the band is playing. I won't say anything more than that.
1: Okay. (laughs) This is is a movie where... I've just been really busy, and I have not prioritized (laughs) Flora and Son. But if it's nominated, I will definitely watch it. And if not, I will check it out one day. My one really sad thing, aside from Gonna Be You Missing, is that Camp Isn't Home from Theater Camp Isn't Here. And I really wanted that to show up.
0: Oh no, see, I didn't even realize because it wasn't on there. Ugh.
1: And everyone was so sad about that one. I feel like that was across the board when I was looking into the reactions of the shortlist today. People were lamenting Camp and Holmes' exclusion from the list. So you have fellow fans, and I think it would have been great, great here.
0: That's why it was my long shot. Too bad, but I will still be listening to it on Spotify later. Okay, next up we have Sound. This is a, another Bake Off category. The Big Off is on January 14th. Our shortlisted nominees here are Barbie, The Creator, Ferrari, The Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and The Zone of Interest. I mentioned The Killers at the top of the episode as one of my favorite inclusions here, but how do you both feel about this list?
1: Yeah, I mean, just to echo you, I'm so excited about The Killer. I think if I could vote for any film here, it would either be The Killer or The Zone of Interest. I love Ren Kleiss' work on The Killer. I think it just electrifies that world and just the little things you hear when you can hear all the different weapons in that fight scene. And I love how he plays, of course, with the music in the scenes when Michael Fassbender's character is listening to the Smiths. I think it's just incredible. And the zone of interest, this is another one for me where it's just the sound is the movie. And the entire conceit of the film, right, is that you're following this family through this big brother type of camera setup and this anthropological gaze that Jonathan Glazer constructs. And You never venture inside the walls of Auschwitz, but you hear everything. And that is so horrifying. And I'm so glad that the sound team's work is recognized here. It's just, I think, fantastic and so, so chilling. It's why the movie stays with you and why I couldn't eat for hours after watching it. The other big inclusion, though, that I do want to point out is Barbie showing up here. Kind of crazy because Barbie's not a musical, She plays with musical conventions, we have a Dream Ballet, we have I'm Just Ken, but it's not a film that you think of when you think of this category, so I think it showing up here is a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, this was weird to me, but it kind of feels like the Everything Everywhere inclusion from last year where it showed up in all these places, also Elvis, but that actually got nominated while Everything Everywhere didn't. So maybe this is one where there is some love for it out there, but it may not make it in the end. I think either way, it still shows that there's a lot of support. But we also see Oppenheimer here, and we know those are kind of in the similar boat. Also Killers. Mm-hmm. Again, we mentioned those three names together a lot in these categories. So those maybe are big three nomination getters. I wouldn't be mad about it.
1: Speaking of Everything Everywhere All at Once, I did track... That and I know this is like a disease every year where we compare movies to previous seasons and movies and how they performed. But Barbie showed up in the exact same places that Everything Everywhere All at Once did last year, missing makeup hmm. and hairstyling and VFX hmm. and showing up in sound.
0: Interesting, just a,
1: Interesting. Just a little tidbit I like to
2: see that. I, for a couple of the smaller ones on the list or the less Oscar ones. I was happy that Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 was on here. That movie, I think the box office was really sad for that. It's my favorite in the franchise, and I watched them all for the first time this year. We watched them all back to back, and then maybe because this is now the only one that I've seen in the theaters that it's my favorite, but it was the most fun that I had with any of them, so I was happy that it got something. I didn't even see Fallout, because I had never seen any of them before, so... Mm -hmm. I didn't want to see Fallout until I'd seen them, and then I never did it. So that was really exciting. And then I'll mention it more in VFX, but I am very happy for any mention of The Creator. More so in our next category, but I'm excited to see it here.
1: I haven't seen The Creator yet, still. It's on my on my list. It's just not my type of film, necessarily. So those are the types of movies that I wait on until I hear enough good things that I say, okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. It's time.
2: It's probably what I'd, I honestly don't know if I would recommend it now that it has left theaters.
1: Mm, okay.
2: I think it's a theater or nothing and I can, I'll talk about it more in, in the next category, but there, I also don't recommend it a ton outside of these categories. So I'm happy it's, <laughs> I'm just happy it's here. So it's something because I think that for the type of movie that it is, there's really good craft on a very small budget. So I will, I'll put a pin in that for a minute.
0: My response to you not seeing the creator is, go watch The Matrix Revolutions first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Also a good movie. (laughs) The effects are good. It just feels like a weird nomination.
1: The last thing that I just wanted to point out while we're here in sound is the crossover that we see between sound and editing. And editing being a really important category to have if you want to win Best Picture. It's typically... I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, CODA being a big one. But usually, you will see the Best Picture winner in film editing. So, that's good news for the films that are here in sound. Because there's usually that crossover. So, you can expect a a small handful of these to also appear in editing. I think the most obvious, just looking at this list, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon. But I mean, Barbie appearing in sound, I think this could be a case in a similar way to Everything Everywhere, where this doesn't show up in sound, but we see it in editing in the editing five come nomination morning, just due to the strength of the movie.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. In that vein, I'm somewhat surprised Poor Things isn't here. But also I'm most interested in seeing Nomination Morning if The Holdovers or Anatomy of a Fall potentially getting in because we've kind of seen those this season so far and those would be fun editing nominations, but I think really hard sound nomination getters.
1: Yeah. Anatomy of a Fall was the one that came into my mind today where I thought that's an editing nomination I really want to see, but sound just was never in the cards for it
2: the most interesting parts in the courtroom have to do with sound and the way the sound is mixed in those scenes builds a lot of intrigue within those scenes. So if it had showed up in the sound list here, then that's what I would have looked at. And that would have been like just like a really cool, you know, very specific thing for it.
1: Mm -hmm. And the the music that poor Sandra has to hear Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) at the beginning that would have driven me to madness <laughs> okay let's move on to our last category visual effects so we have a bake-off for this category as well which begins on january 13th each film gets an 18 minute showcase you get a before and after reel which can be a maximum of three minutes a bake-off reel which can be a maximum of 10 minutes and then a a q a period moderated by the visual effects branch governors which can be up to five minutes. So a little bit of inside baseball there. Um, But our movies here that were mentioned, we have The Creator, Godzilla Minus One, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Napoleon, Poor Things, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, Society of the Snow, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. What do we think of this category?
2: This is a category that I have no idea where it's going to go. The initial kind of consensus was that Oppenheimer would take it, but when it wasn't on the initial long list that was reported out of Variety, then everyone seems like they kind of just, you know, threw the papers in the air and have no idea where it's going. And part of that's because the big movies this year and theaters this year were not really effects driven ones they didn't do very well or weren't well received so you don't have something that seems like an obvious winner within vfx i think the only movie that seems most to fit that mold is guardians of the galaxy 3 but everything else in here is it kind of reminds me of the vfx shortlist from 2020 where it was like and i've heard of all of these movies but it was like movies that like you didn't really know that they had the effects or that they were prominent or that it would be something that people would have listed or you know it's like it's just like an interesting thing like okay sure i guess i guess that one counts like rebel moon great sure um godzilla minus one cool but yeah. i wouldn't have expected that and then i'll say the creator which i mentioned a little bit in sound is from this list of what i've seen it, it's definitely my favorite it has i think really cool design of the VFX and it is a um effects driven movie but that movie is directed by gareth edwards who has done other kind of big monster movies he did rogue one he did my beloved 2014 godzilla um that he just kind of has a good way with scale uh when it comes to visuals. And this one, I mentioned it on a pretty low budget. So the budget was $80 million, which is a lot of money, but it it looks better than most $200 million movies in terms of its effects. But what did you guys think?
1: I'm excited about Godzilla Minus One being here because I loved Godzilla Minus One.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen it.
1: Nick, did you like it?
0: Yeah, it's great. I was really excited to see it here. The voting window was pretty recent. So the fact that Enough people got behind it so quickly might mean good things for the Oscars. It's also already the highest grossing Japanese movie in the U.S. And I don't know if you've seen the recent trailer, but they're re-releasing it in black and white. So there's a lot happening for this movie, and I think we could really see it as a nominee. Otherwise, thinking of five nominees, it seems like such a haphazard kind of situation, like, the fact that we could have Napoleon, Mission Impossible, Poor Things, and Rebel Moon, and Society of the Snow, an international movie. It's just, like, so many different kinds of things happening. The creator was supposed to be, like, a Star Wars movie. So, we have Star Wars, Godzilla, Marvel, Indiana Jones, and Spider-Man, like, all of these superheroes. It's just really bizarre. Mm-hmm. And... Netflix has also been campaigning for Rebel Moon and I thought this was a TV show so this is really throwing me for a loop.
1: If Rebel Moon part one A Child of Fire is nominated this will be like when I watched Love and Monsters for our contender series where it's just you know there is one movie that just gets into one category that I would never would have watched for any other reason but we you know do our due diligence when it comes to that series and watch everything we need to so i c- i will laugh if that happens i i will say that most of these other movies i have seen i'm also excited about spider-man across the spider-verse because animated films rarely get recognized here too and i thought this movie was great and i yeah i, I love how animated films are getting recognized in categories that they normally don't this year, it seems. I think the voting bodies are really stretching themselves in that way, which is cool. Mm. We got a question on our Instagram stories from one of our listeners, um, Joe Greeley, who asked, visual effects seems wide open. Do we think poor things would be considered leading? And I've been thinking about this a bit because poor things of the movies here is definitely the strongest in terms of general you know, awards buzz in other categories. We know people will be watching it. But what do you guys think about that?
2: It does seem like one that I can feel good about predicting to get nominated, just because it will have so much support elsewhere, and not really anything else has broad support. I guess I I don't think of it as a visual effects movie. Like I know you're putting like a you know a dog's head on a duck's body and the skyline in mm-hmm. some shots. What else is VFX in this movie?
1: Yeah, I mean, it reminded me of how much I wanted the killer to be recognized in visual effects because so much of what yeah. Fincher does with those buildings and the backgrounds, I think it's just, it's it's very Fincher, but it's it's just great and it's really beautiful. And I think with poor things, the production design and the VFX go hand in hand mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. lot of those environments that we see Bella going into. For me, I almost wonder if the nomination is the challenge Because I could see, you know, if it's a branch voting, like they might like the flashier stuff. If it's the visual effects artists and the branch governors, that feels like they're going to maybe go for work that, I don't know, that they they maybe understand a bit more. Whereas if Poor Things gets the nomination and it goes open to general membership, Mm -hmm. that's when I think Poor Things could run away with it in a way that All Quiet on the Western Front won production design.
0: (laughs) Just pulling just pull that grudge out. Yep. I don't think it's necessarily the front runner, but they do love to nominate Best Picture nominees as well. So I think this being the one far and away of the list of 10 that could be a Best Picture nominee. So I feel pretty good about it showing up at least. And then on the Contender series, Bennett asking what the heck is visual effects? We're going to find out and then talk about that. So... I'm excited to learn more. Also, the bubble. (laughs) That's true. I'm trying to think of all of the things, too. At least enough things for people to say, oh, my God, I love these visual effects. Let's put them on the list. The bubble. I I (laughs) didn't remember what you were talking about. I know. And now I I do. Willem Dafoe.
2: (laughs) (laughs) For the the dog on a duck's body and, and Willem Dafoe burping out a bubble. You know, maybe this is the chance for Marvel to actually win in this category. They never have but maybe this is like Guardians 3 if it's people liked it apparently if it's the last good Marvel movie we're ever gonna get then maybe <laughs> they'll give it finally give it the win here
1: there's just a part of me that says Godzilla minus one just because it's it's a, a new phenomenon we got a question on Instagram from Chels who asked us to list our ideal five song lineup not what you think we'll be in but what you would like to see in Ben, I thought this was perfect for you since wow. you're here
2: yeah, I, let's see, I didn't narrow it down to five. I, I narrowed my list down to like 20 <laughs> of the eligibility list that I liked. My favorite of the songs that got shortlisted is uh, Dance the Night. There's no way that it gets nominated, particularly because only two songs from a movie can get nominated. So it's pretty clearly in third place from Barbie, but that's my favorite of the 15. So I'll say that one. And then I'm going to say four songs that were not on the shortlist. But I just want to boost their profile. One is called I Am from Origin, another movie that doesn't exist uh, (laughs) because of its release plan. That song rules. Uh, There's a song called End of Summer from the animated movie The Peasants. Uh, That's a great, great song that I don't know what the context is in the movie, but I'm excited to find out. There's a song that I'm going to put on my running playlist called Rise from the DreamWorks film, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, a super basic song, but it's very motivating. Like, I I just want to run to it. Um, And then the last one I'll put on that I want to boost is a song called When a Dream is Beautiful from the movie Dreamin' Wild that Nick and I saw in... Venice, Lord. or I should say, I saw it while Nick slept in the chair next to me. <laughs> it was it was movie four of a like while while Nick was on you know for, fourth movie of the day, uh, ten thirty screening, p.m. So that song I I don't know if it's great out of context, but having seen the movie, I really like it. So I will say that those are my five. I love it. Do either of you have yeah? Do you have faves from the year in general?
0: I will just second Camp is in Home and Road to Freedom, which is on the short list. I will be rooting for, again, my fantasy draft pick for song. I love to see it and will be rooting for Lenny Kravitz, apparently.
1: <laughs> so I will be going with, I mean, Dance the Night is my favorite song from Barbie. I love that scene. I love the song. I want Oscar nominee Dua Lipa. Thinking about how songs are used in the movies in this one... I felt like was my favorite use of a song within Barbie, actually, not what was Mm -hmm. I made for, even though I understand why that is the front runner and why it's winning all of these awards, Dance the Night, all the way for me. Then I'm going to go with Dear Alien, Who Are in Heaven from Asteroid City, because Mm -hmm. that made me laugh very hard in the movie, and I loved that inclusion of that with the kids gonna be you from 80 for Brady of course that should be the Diane Warren song and Mm -hmm. I need that performance to happen and I'm so sad that it won't um I'll also go Nick with your beloved camp isn't home from theater camp and I think tell me your dreams from Megan would have (laughs) been an insane inclusion and absolutely hilarious you know my Bennett I meant to ask you Was my Mary Steenburgen song from Book Club The Next Chapter not here?
2: It was not submitted.
1: No! What are they doing?
2: Like, sung by the cast of Book Club, written by Mary Steenburgen. I I was really upset. It was not on the list of 94, so either it wasn't submitted or for some reason wasn't eligible, but yeah. This is
1: a travesty because I Mm -hmm. absolutely would have included that in my ideal lineup. I also have a question for you. What is the song from Scream 6? <gasps> oh, Demi Lovato! Oh my
0: god, yes. The end credit song.
1: I do not remember that at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also wanted to
2: point out, um, did you know that Christina Aguilera has a power ballad on the Paw Patrol movie?
1: Stop. Called Down Like That?
2: Uh, no, Learning to Fly. It's the other one. Wow.
1: The more you know.
2: Yeah. And I just for, I know there's people listening who will want to know, Paul Meskel sings an original song in the movie Carmen that he did with Melissa Barrera.
1: Did you see Carmen? Did you like it? I didn't see it. I watched it on a plane and that felt kind of like the appropriate environment for it. Oh yeah. It was okay. Yeah. Love Paul.
0: Bennett, to your point on Origin, yes, this release has been scrambled, but it is officially getting a wide release January 19th, so people can go see it then. Hopefully it shows up in nominations because it did have qualifying runs, but... I think before we really wrap up, I do just want to mention a few inclusions on these shorts lists. In live action, we had Wes Anderson's The Wonderful World of Henry Sugar and Pedro Almodovar's Strange Way of Life. So those are still possibilities for nominations. Sometimes we do see big A-listers getting in in shorts. And then in animated short, we got Once Upon a Studio, which is on Disney+. Plus it's this big Disney reunion of so many, if not all, animated characters coming together to take a reunion photo. So it's really cute. It could get nominated. I think it's an easy watch whether it gets nominated or not.
1: And I think just to wrap up, I wanted to ask you guys if you could just say, who do you think is the winner of the day?
0: I wouldn't
2: have had an, had an answer before we talked, but from our conversation's I think the winner of the day is the zone of interest because I think over the past couple of weeks I've been thinking that it is totally not going to be involved with Oscar at all. But I think for me, at least, today really kind of boosted it up. And then also, like I mentioned, Society of the Snow. That,
0: that seems like something I need to watch now.
1: Those are good picks. Nick, what do you think?
0: I'm going to say of something we weren't expecting... I'll agree with Society of the Snow and a big movie that needed to show up and did in a big way is Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. I think we have mm-hmm. other big movies, too, that will be Best Picture nominees and really contenders for winning that award and director and some of the other big ones. But I think Killers really held its own among many of these lists.
1: Yeah, that was one of my answers too. I mean, all of all of these, I think, are that you guys have said are big winners of the day. Killer's getting a song mention too.
2: Yeah, for right like an Osage language mm-hmm. song, the like the ending. It's at the end celebration yeah. song. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I think that's that's big and shows real support for the movie.
1: Yeah. So in a, just to pick another one because I think those are all those are all good answers. I'm just gonna say Barbie. Again, I really think there's a lot of support for Barbie. I just keep getting proven wrong, I think, about this movie. I think little doubts that I might have, you know, will critics like it? For example, after the New York Film Critics Circle, then it shows up more with L.A. And it's been showing up with regional critics. But I think that love is there in the industry. And we're seeing it come up here. I know people are going to look at the makeup and hairstyling miss as a red flag, but I'm looking at the sound mention, actually, um, or in addition to that as something that really just shows that people are thinking about this movie everywhere they can and not to maybe get hung up on one potential miss that we have here. I think that this this movie has serious signs of strength outside of just the three songs we talked about that being important but I think it can dominate come industry awards but it's interesting having something like Killers of the Flower Moon and Barbie it's like you could not get more different in terms of what those movies are doing and the stories that they're telling but yeah I think I think both can hit with voters and of course we can't forget about our our Oppenheimer either there Mm -hmm. so yeah I think though it's exciting we're getting into the thick of it
0: it's very real now. So I think to wrap up, just some Oscar dates in our future. We have Oscar nominations released Tuesday morning, January 23rd. So mark your calendars for that. And then the 96 Academy Awards streaming Sunday, March 10th at an earlier time at 7 p.m. Eastern. Very excited for these. In the new year, we'll definitely be talking about a lot of these movies we mentioned today. And Bennett, thank you so much for joining us once again for these shortlist categories. And we're excited to chat with you in the new year once we get nominations and our predictions.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I love talking through these lists rapid fire every year. I'm going to sign off with um, some things I'm wild for as a little little end of year wrap up for me. So my favorite movie from 2023 that I've seen so far is The Boy and the Heron. I have seen it 3 times now. I will say subtitles dubbed, both great, no shame in either. Whatever you can go to, go to it. And then my favorite movie that I saw for the first time this year of movies that came out at least a few years ago was The Last Picture Show. I saw it as part of the Wisconsin Film Festival and kind of got to take it on a whim, thought I'd go to a, you know, a, a screening of a classic movie at the festival and did not realize that it was programmed to be the final screening at my favorite theater in Madison before the theater closed. It was an intentional, this is in this whole six screen theater that I knew was closing and it was good. They were using it for the festival as like its last hurrah. The showing of the last picture show was programmed on the last night at 9 p.m. And it was the most emotional experience that I've had in a theater. Other than, you know, movies that I love that I get emotional about. But it was like an encompassing... I was just sobbing the entire time at how kind of perfect it was. So I love that movie very much now.
1: I love that. That's so, like, profound. (laughs) And like a good connection to that movie that you're able to have.
2: They were smart programming it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like everyone from the festival was there. They were saying goodbye. Like, it was like a big... A big thing and it's a very sad thing that happened uh in madison in general but yeah so those were those were my favorites from the year kind of closing it out just wanted to end with that but thanks for having me again
1: well thank you so much bennett again for joining us i'm gonna echo you on both of those movies to recommend everyone go watch them next time on oscar wilde we will be back in the new year for a 2023 recap where we will be counting down and talking about our favorite movies from 2023. I'm excited to get into that. And we'll officially be saying, always counting down to this year's Oscars. It's always mm-hmm. weird when we make that turn.
0: Make that switch. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. Feel free to rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at Oscar Pod. And you can find bonus content on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Oscar Wilde.
1: Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.